Yeah, so let's open up in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we desire to, to be the church you want us to be, um, the church that you call us to be. And Lord, if we're left uh, to ourself, we do things that are man-centered. <clears throat> and so we go through your word and we want to do things God-centered. We want to do this. We want to be the church um, as it is written, Lord. So help us do that. Help us uh, extract the things you want us to extract out of your word today. Be present with us here. Have your Holy Spirit just lead this um, entire Bible study. And God, you know each of our hearts. You know where, where we're all at. And I pray that you speak to each of us exactly the way that we need to be spoken to today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> it's amazing when you look at the, um, the first church, right? The, the New Testament church and how much potential division there was, um, not only between Jews and Gentiles, but even within the Jewish people, there were uh, the Jewish I guess you could say religion. There were so many different uh, sects. You know, they were, they were the, we're going to read about it today. They're the Hellenistic Jews, <clears throat> the Jews of the freedmen, um, the Jews um, that were living in Jerusalem, and they all thought that they had, you know, the right, sort of the right way to do things. Um, does that sound familiar? <laughs> Right. It's funny how when you're in a church, we, we always think like we have it right. You know, like like we're doing it the best way that we should be doing it. You know, and this is the way God wants us to do it. And then I, you know, and then I go out to Pennsylvania to my brother's community and they do it a whole different way. But it's God glorifying, you know, and then you go to a ch my daughter's in Colorado and she's going to a different church. And I hear that. And it's like amazing how the Lord uses every I'm not saying all churches are, you know, obviously there's some that are out a little off, but he definitely um, uh, has created the the divisions. So I shouldn't say divisions, but maybe we can say denominations for for a purpose, I guess. Um, and so that's what we're looking at here in Acts 5 and 6. So <clears throat> who can tell me who Gamaliel is? Anybody know who Gamaliel is in the Bible? In the New Testament, Gamaliel. Jewish teacher, isn't he? Yeah, he was a Jewish teacher. He was like the, you know, the equivalent of like I don't even know who who would be considered like a leader. I guess like a Billy or like a not a Billy Graham, a Franklin Graham, right? You know, and when the president wants to get some counsel and he's a Christian, he calls in the Graham family, right? And whoever that is. And so Gamaliel was like a, um, he was a rabbi, but he was the leader of the school of rabbis. He was like the top-notch uh, teacher at the time. There were two camps. <clears throat> there were, um, just, just for your information, there was a camp of Gamaliel, and that was one sort of school of thought. And then there was the camp of Hillel. <clears throat> and Gamaliel was more strict, more orthodox. Uh, and Hillel was more liberal, more free, you know, in terms of how to apply the law and things like that. So the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, uh, Gamaliel was, was the leader of that. And... Um, does anybody know anything else unique about Gamaliel in the scriptures? Anybody else have any trivia for Gamaliel? He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Extremely wise. <laughs> yep. Anyone else? Yeah, he was very wise. Grandson of Philo. Okay. Anything else? Oh, his student was Saul. Yes, very good. So his student was Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> which also tells you uh, a lot about Paul. And so <clears throat> this was, like Rich just said, he was very wise. Because what had happened was, was the, in chapter 5, they were told, the apostles were told, do not preach in the name of Jesus. Actually, they were told in chapter four, and then they were let go. 
And then in chapter five, they said, why are you continuing to preach in this name? And that's when we talked about last week, we must obey God rather than men. God is calling me to preach the gospel. When God is calling you to preach the word of God, you have to be, you have to be willing to do that. Um, we're going to talk about that today in, uh, in the sermon about being that faithful witness. And so the apostles were, were doing just that. And so what was the wise, uh, what was the wisdom that Gamaliel <clears throat> had given? You don't have to read it, but if you want, you can, or you can paraphrase it. Rich? Um, well, I, you know, it's just amazing wisdom in that um, he drew a parallel to a previous um, movement, yep. let's say, right? Yeah. Um, uh, some kind of a religious movement. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he said, you know, um, he counseled everyone to leave the apostles alone because if what they were preaching um, was of any value, nobody was going to stop it. If it was from the Lord, nothing's going to get in, that, in their way. Mm-hmm. And if it's not from the Lord, it'll dissipate and disappear the way the other movement did. Yeah. So he said, leave them alone. Yeah, that's a really good explanation of it. Yeah, at the time in in Jerusalem, there were uh, very frequently would people rise up, these zealots, and uh, they would say, come on, let's go. Let's take over. Let's let's take back the tent. Let's take back our land and let's get out of the reign of the Romans. But the Romans were smart, too, because they knew where the line would be drawn. They couldn't force the Jewish people ever to go against what God wanted them to do from their Talmud and from the law. For instance, they couldn't force them to sacrifice to their to their gods. That's why they allowed the Jewish people not to have to to bow down to Caesar. They, They permitted that in Jerusalem. They were allowed to practice their religion as long as they kept things cool. So what would happen is, is somebody would think back a couple hundred years and think about Judas Maccabeus, and they would sort of, it's sort of like we are right now, right, in our country. We're like, you know, we got to take back the Constitution, you know, we have the right to bear arms, and we got to protect ourselves from these bad governments. And you get people that rise up, and they try to stir things up, and it sort of fades away. It's a lot different than it was in 1776, you know. It's not like... Uh, it's not fair anymore. We would not be able to take over our government now. It's just, it's, they're too powerful. We wouldn't, militarily, it would just wouldn't happen. It's got to be done politically in the right way. So you have these people politically that try to move the government through activism or whatever the case may be. But back then, there would be people that would try to rise up because that's what Judas Maccabeus did. Does anyone know that story? Um, from the book of Maccabees and the Apocrypha. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really good, and <clears throat> I only tell you to read it for, as a backdrop, uh, for a historical backdrop to the New Testament, because it will give you a good idea of context in the, in the, in the New Testament. The, the Judas Maccabeus, um, he created a, a war cry called, No King But God, and that was the chant. No king but God. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was a believer, right? Judas Maccabeus? Yes. No, he was, a, he was a Jewish believer, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. No, no, I mean, he wasn't a Christian. messianic believer? No, no, this is like 200 years before Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry if I confused you on that. So, um... Because, <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Rich. Wasn't, wasn't he, okay, I'm, I'm just trying, I know, I'm, wasn't he the one... Or his community where they found the Jewish scrolls? No. Um, no, that's uh, the Asenis. And oh, the, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, there were the people that lived up in the mountains. And a lot of people think that that's where John the Baptist was from. When he was one of those guys. <clears throat> Qumran is yes, where they were so, from. So that wasn't the Maccabean community? That was- um. It could have evolved into it. I'm not sure. It's a good question. Yeah. So, um, Antichius. I have no fear then. It says that it was from there that they broke away. 
Oh, if they broke away? Oh, okay. That strict community. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. The community of the the Asenis, yeah. A Qumran, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's good, Rich. I, I, I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, Antichius Epiphanes was a, a pagan ruler who took over the temple. He started sacrificing, you know, pigs on the altar, and so Judas Maccabeus said, "There's this Judas actually Matthias Maccabeus was Judas's father." Who, who went after him and, and, and his sons, Judas and his brother, whoever that was, they raised up and they fought and they overcame and they took back the temple. And so, you know, it's like equivalent to like our, you know, our, the, the Boston Tea Party, you know, like this is it, you know, this is like, we're, it's the militia. And so there were constantly people rising up. That's my point. They were saying, we got we to gotta take this back. So the Jewish people did like the 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 higher ups here, like the the, the Sanhedrin and the rulers, the priests and, and Gamaliel and and all the council. They didn't want that. Okay, they didn't want to do that, especially if it was it was it had it would have to been like the perfect. They would more want to politically merge. They were the more progressives. It's like let's take our time, let's win over the Romans, let's get them to leave. Let, let's get them by colluding with them. And so they didn't want any problems. So you got this guy coming saying he's risen from the dead and he's the king. I mean, that's, that's not what the Jewish people wanted because they were corrupt. I mean, especially the high priests. And they were, they were millionaires, equivalent to today, because they got all, the Romans took care of them, you know, the Roman procurator, whoever he was, he would go to the high priest and say, look, you can do all your business. You can collect all your, uh, you know, sell all your money exchange in the temple. You can, you know, sell and, and prepare all your sacrifices and you can keep the money. Just pay your, ta- your taxes and keep things cool. That was basically what it was. And that's what, that, that's what King Herod was. He was um, part of he, they, they call him a half-breed. He wasn't a full Jew. He, was, uh, uh, he wasn't a full... Um, he was Jewish, but he came from... Uh, part of his blood was from the Samaritans, and so they didn't really respect him as king of the Jews. But Herod was... He was in, you know, he was in partnership with Rome. So that actually gives amazing insight as to some of the reasons why Caiaphas reacted the way he did. It yeah, was, it was all about me. Yeah, you know he had an, you know he, his livelihood was being threatened. Yeah, by Jesus's radical claims. It was. That's why he said, and this is a, it's funny because this is really part one of of our sermon today because this is what I'm talking. About. We're talking about this today where Caiaphas said, "Let one man die for the people, then the whole nation perish." And right before that, he said, what? Rome is going to come and take our place. You know, Rome is going to come and take us over. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so that's the context here. So let it, let it dissipate. You know, if it's, gonna, if it's of God, it's gonna, you can't stop it. Very, very, very good wisdom. So in verse 40, they took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Does anybody know what flogging is? Whipping. Whipping. You know how many they get? Was it 40? 40. Well, they get, th- they get oh, 40, minus one. 40 minus 1, 39. So they sh- they're showing mercy. You know, They don't want to kill them. They want to punish them. It was a really brutal, brutal uh, punishment. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like saying, well, they deserved 40, but they're giving them 39. So it's, mer- they're giving them mercy, showing mercy Where there. 40 I don't know. Um, That's right. yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. That was a, uh, 40 is a really, um, it's a, it's a number in the scriptures that's worthy of a study because there's lots of 40s. There is a, there is, yeah, there is a, a reason for the 40 that I, I just can't remember. Um, <clears throat> and so they, they flogged them. And now this is the first time they've really caught a beating here. I mean, getting pushed around and thrown in jail for Jesus is cool, you know. 
It's cool. It's like, you know, bragging rights. Yeah, I got arrested, you know, for Jesus, you know. But then you get beat up. (laughs) Then you get flogged. You get your back stretched out and you get whipped 39 times. And so after that, they said, this Christianity stuff's not for me. Maybe Jesus isn't, you know, who he says after all. Like, why is he allowing me to feel pain? I'm joking, Rich. Rich is ready to go. But I love it, Rich. I love it. I love that you're into it like you are. But no, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they went on their way rejoicing that they have been considered worthy to suffer shame. Not pain, shame. Because this was a shameful thing to get flogged by your local synagogue, local community meant you were like a heathen and you're excommunicated from the community. And that's not like it is for us today. Say like if if one of you guys did something like in church discipline, there's, you know, I don't know if you guys know, I've ever practiced this here, but church discipline is, is if you're a member of this church and you're under our oversight and you sin, you, you were to come, the leaders of the church come to you or one of them do, and they talk to you about it. It's an admonition. Like, that's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. And so if you don't listen, then you get an elder to come with you. And then if you don't listen, you can get, you know, it's an excommunication to the point of saying, until you repent, we can't accept you here at the Lord's table. I mean, we want you to come to church <clears throat> and learn, but we have to treat them like an unbeliever. And that would be bad. But you still go home and you would still be able to go buy your bread and your milk and your food at the grocery store, right? No one's going to say, you can't come in here. You're, you're not taking my goats anymore. I'm not sharing my goats with you anymore for hens and chickens and all that stuff. Because that's what would happen in the community. You would be excommunicated. You'd be cut off from your daily stuff. So this was a big deal. But they considered it they, they said, this is something that we should be worthy. This is, we're worthy of this. This is amazing that we're worthy to suffer this shame, not the pain, the shame. So that shows you that this was a big thing. And then what did they do? Every day, every day, they went in the temple again where they just got arrested and flogged. And they, and here's how it says, this is a great translation They kept right on teaching and preaching. Jesus, the Christ. They kept right on teaching and preaching. So they were not going to be stopped. They were basically saying, let's just do this, right? Like when we watch the Richard Warmbrandt story of Tortured for Christ, which we're going to show at the church. um, He says something in there that was really unique. He goes, we just had an agreement with the officers in Romania, you know, in the prison, the Romanian prison that he was in. We had an agreement. It was a great agreement. We would preach the gospel and then they would beat us. And we knew our mutual agreement. And there's a scene in the movie where they're teaching Matthew 5 and the guard comes and pulls them out and he gets beaten and he comes back in bloodied and and worn out and just continues right where he left off. So this is an amazing picture of the passion, the conviction that these people had after they received the Holy Spirit. They didn't do this before they received the Holy Spirit. A couple weeks prior, they're running naked out of the Garden of Gethsemane. (laughs) Get out of here. Everyone, not just Peter and Judas betrayed Jesus. Everyone left him. So the, so the spirit, so the scripture would be fulfilled. Strike the shepherd and the sheep would scatter. And that's what happened. But now they have the Holy Spirit. And now they are, have God in them and they are going out to preach the gospel. So it's so cool. So <clears throat> what can we learn from that? What do we take from that? Somebody give me some application. It doesn't have to be really clever or whatever, but what do you feel when you hear about that, when you hear that story? Conviction. 
Do what God's called you to do. No matter what. Do what God's called you to do. Keep right on preaching and teaching. Keep right on doing what God's called. Keep right on in your business, Rich. 100%. You know, if that's what God's your calling is in your life, keep right on being that father. Keep right on being that daughter. Keep right on being that student. Keep go after it. What it is, when God calls you to do it, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can't lose. You're going to do. He's. He, you're going to have success, despite all opposition. And success. And what? Different. Success is different. Than what the world. Is. Yeah. Success does not mean the business will thrive, the family will you know be healthy and happy, and it's success in the Lord's eyes. Very different yeah. than what we think success might look like. I, I read point. this and I think that the apostles were all about the Lord. Mm-hmm. So self didn't matter anymore. Yeah. So they, you know, or like when Paul was beaten and he'd get back up and stuff. It was all about the Lord. So he didn't care what people thought about him or, or how he was received. It was just God. Mm. He was. It was which is which is which is an impossible place to be without 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 the spirit. Yeah, it's not possible for a human being to reach that point in his, on his, in his own by his own will. Right. It goes against everything in our nature. Yeah. Well, we want to we want to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, we want we want to be accepted. We want to be about us. Yeah. It's what's yeah. Accepted about us, right? It's all about me. And also, we want to feel good. So Paul, at one point, when he lists things, he he talked about feeling perplexed. Where's that? That one verse where he's like, "We're broken, but not this. We're perplexed, but not this." Yeah. He was feeling. There were times where he was. His feelings were being. You know, he was upset. He was. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Confused, stressed, all that stuff. So. Sometimes we want to always feel good. We feel like we should feel good right. all the time. And that... Second Corinthians so, 4, I think is what you're... Yeah, in that whole list, like, you kind of go back and forth between we were this, we were not this, we were this, we were not this. It's in the and, song, Yes, Lord. Yes. What's that? It's in the song, Yes, Lord. Sing it, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but so I think that that's what they're, they're showing here. Mm. That's a really good point. Really good. Um, these guys were so focused, so driven, so excited about what God was doing and that the world. You see, that <clears throat> what, what Claudia just said is, to me, um, is a burden because the majority of, of, of churches, unfortunately... And I'm not saying they're heretical or they're all wrong or all that stuff, but the majority of churches are ta- are the majority of pastors want to make the congregation feel good, and I do. I want you guys to feel good, but not in a way where I want you to feel good. I want you. I want the the, the Lord inside of you to give you the joy because of the Word of God. And so the, the, the general message today that I see from Christianity is very self-focused. It's very man-centered. It's very, you know, you can have this, you can have that. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be successful. God's got an amazing plan for you. And he may, but that amazing plan is really what we need to talk about because it may not be, this isn't an, is this an amazing plan? Yes. But getting flogged is painful. <laughs> Being shamed, you know. And so <clears throat> that's a challenge for us as, as Christians and as leaders. We have to always be committed to teaching the truth and not being concerned about the growth of the church because of people hearing and going, I want to come back and feel like that again, right? Because if you work to do that, 
If you, if, if you work to gain, you have to work to maintain. So every week I have to come up with something new to entertain you, to make you feel good or else, you know, Pat has been a little, I don't know, the sermons are, uh, I mean, they're good, but I don't know. What, what, and, and I don't know if I'm getting anything out of it. Instead of saying, okay, Pat's just a man or whoever the pastor is. Let's hear what the word of God, let's hear what the spirit has to say to the church. Okay, not what the pastor has to say. And look, the next verse, six. Now at this time, the, while the disciples were increasing in number. So this sort of stuff increases the church. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. I'm sorry, first, uh, six verses one and two. And because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So what do you what do you what do you make out of that? We need more food. We need more. daily food. Yeah. Now there's there's always potential for conflict because we're a group of people. Yeah. And the Hellenist. Does anyone know what the, who the Hellenistic Jews were? Greeks, right? Yeah. Well, they were. Yeah, they were raised in the Greek culture, and they spoke Greek as their primary language. You know, so it's sort of like what we have here. It's like if I tell somebody in my, oh, you're Italian? Yeah. you full Italian? Yeah. You speak Italian? No. Well, you know, and if they're full Italian and they speak Italian, they sort of look at me as like the Hellenistic Jew, you know, like, okay. <laughs> so it's like you, you, could, you could parallel that with a lot of stuff in our culture today. And so what was happening was, is the, you know, the Hellenistic, the Hebrews would come, the Hebrews would come up from Jerusalem and they'd get this big old, plop of food, and then there'd be a Hebrew down in that line, and then the Hellenistic Jew would come up to get a little portion, because <laughs> I want to give it to them, right? And so they complained. So the 12 <clears throat> summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So what was ha- what I believe that was happening here was they were, the, the, the 12 were saying, look, man, we, you know, we need to teach the word of God. We need to be in prayer. We need, we got all this crazy stuff going on. We have to take the gospel out to the whole world. And they're, they're serving tables, which is great. And I'm sure they, they served in all the other different ways, but then the complaining started and it was probably very distracting and for them to have to be involved and spending an hour calming down, maybe a widow, (laughs) Who's and, and so they had to delegate. Who would you guys remember Dwayne's uh, talk, right? Thursday night. What did he say is the opposite of praise? Complaining. Complaining. Right. So this is the exact opposite. And I believe that. I think that's a good and a good praising the Lord and complaining. Right. And so. The, and but, yeah. But their complaint was valid. I mean, the response of the apostles gives credence to the fact that they appreciated the complaint. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, they were were neglecting the widows. Yeah. And that was not good. No, it wasn't. It needed to be taken care of. Yeah. But my point, my point there, uh, Rich, is that as, as somebody that's uh, like, as the 12 are trying to get, praise the Lord, right. And in their daily studies and all that stuff, they needed to deal with that, but the complaining was pulling them probably out of that mindset that they needed to be in. And so I'm just speculating here. Well, yeah. but, but they found a solution. They did. Absolutely. And what was that? Deacons. Okay. Deacons, yeah. <laughs> well, adding structure and organization and order to the, to the church, basically. Um, yeah, but let's... Delegation, yeah. Yeah, let's read. So we see Ritz made a great point. This is important. There's this management that needs to happen here. Um, We need to delegate. We need to take care of these people. Everybody should be getting food. Everybody shouldn't be neglected. We need to keep peace. We need to keep unity. So verse three, who has verse three locked and loaded? Go ahead, Gab. Read, Read verse three. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, 
We will turn this responsibility over to them. Yeah. Okay, so see, this is, to me, it's really cool, okay? Because I can, can, can you look around this room right now and say, pick somebody here that has a good reputation? <laughs> Our own children are in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Could you? You could, right? Because you know people, right? You know them. They're good. They have a good reputation. Can you look around the room right now and see somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Or not maybe even in here, but in our church. If somebody said to you, who in your, don't, you don't have to say this obviously out loud, but who, who's full of the Holy Spirit in the church? Right? Think about that. I know I could think of several people. And so I think it's really, there's two really cool things here. One, that they wanted somebody of good reputation and full of spirit to wait tables. That, I think that is really neat. Why is that? Why, does anybody see what's so cool about that? Well, it's a picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Mm, okay. Yeah, serving. You got to serve. You got. Go ahead, Chris. What were you going to say? Were you saying something? I'm sorry. Oh, was it Jonathan? Well, there's going to be interactions with a ton of people. Okay. As a server. Right. I think it was great that they knew they had that many people. Yeah. With those qualifications already. Yeah. yeah. I think it showed that it, it didn't, it's not a, a belittled um, type of ministry. Nonetheless, then, therefore, yeah. anyone can just pick it up. It, it's for the Lord, therefore, these, you know, you have to have these, because you're serving the Lord ultimately. Yeah. I think that's what they're, even though it's tables that they're doing. Yeah. It's like, all right, Chris, the outside is a mess. Um, the grass is overgrown. There's leaves everywhere. Let's get somebody full of the Holy Spirit to clean that up. <laughs> right now, we're like, who can we get to cut the grass? You know, anybody want to do it, right? Um, but again, what I'm trying to say is that th- everything in the body of Christ requires the Holy Spirit. We, you, you, if you're serving God and you don't want to do it, and the Spirit of God isn't in you and you're grumbling in your heart, that's not the, that's not the way that they want. They want even the waiting of the tables to be God-glorifying. They want people with a good reputation they want people full of the spirit. And obviously, as we're going to see, it expands even more. Yeah, because Stephen later on, he's he's grabbed, and then because he's full of the spirit, right, he's able to bring this amazing speech before the the leader yep. there. And then even as, and then as he's dying, he, he well he sees the Lord, and then as he's dying, he he calls you know, for their, yeah. to hold this against them, Lord. Only someone full of the Spirit could do that. Yeah, that's so true. So uh, you're called to more. Yeah. Whenever you're in minute, you're serving. You're called to do that particular act, but you you can always call. To, you can be called to more. In his case, that's like a that's like a, a an amazing example. Yeah, who who knew that by serving widows. He was ultimately going to get to give his life for the Lord. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah what if, like what Jonathan what, said, what he's going to be interacting with so many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as he's interacting with people serving food, he can be also feeding them spiritually. So he, he needed that. Very, very good. And then they said they would devote themselves to prayer and to ministry of the word, which is what anybody handling the word of God has to devote themselves to. It can't be anything else that takes priority over that um, in the context of ministry. Um, The statement found approval with the whole council, and now they list the people that they chose. And so they're choosing. If you're listed first, that means you are the one that's you're the you're either it's either out of respect of or importance. That's why Peter's always usually listed first as the disciples uh, are listed. But he says here they chose Stephen first here he's listed first and here with here's what they add <clears throat> a man 
<clears throat> excuse me, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They, they prayed and laid hands on him after he was full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they're not, they didn't say, well, again, God doesn't do everything the same way every time. He was already, we don't know how, what happened when Stephen got full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe somebody did lay hands on him. Maybe God, maybe he was part of the um, Pentecostal uh, episode when the Spirit came and onto everybody. We don't know. But here's, I'm trying to move to a point here. So, so they said, go select seven men of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Word of God kept on spreading. Disciples kept on growing. That's, not, that's verse seven. And then verse eight, Stephen, full of grace and power. So this is, this is again, that unique coming upon from the Holy Spirit that we spent four weeks talking about. Because this is because this is the stuff we're going to run into in Acts, and I want you to see what this is. This is not a normal spiritual Christian thing. Not that you can't wait tables and be full of the Spirit and you're filled with the Spirit and all that. But Luke is telling us here that it was more. It was a he was full of power, his own power. No, he's full of that that full of grace and power and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some of them, what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, and these were people that were um, from Rome. I'm just gonna give you a quick overview of who this is because I don't wanna spend too much time on this. Synagogues of the freedmen, they were basically captives of Rome under Pompey when he was there. They lived in Rome, They built a synagogue in Jerusalem. So there were freeborn Jews in Rome. And then there were Jews in Rome that were born as slaves under Pompey. And they were their own little denomination. Okay. But some of them, from them, they rose up and they argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So again, they secretly induced men to say that he's speaking blasphemy, just like they did to Jesus. They stirred up the people. They put forward false witnesses. He wants to take all the customs that Moses handed down. And here's, and, and <clears throat> here's where I wanted to get to. And, they, and fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Okay, now we saw Moses when he was talking to God on Mount Sinai, he would come down and have to cover his face because if you looked at him, you'd go blind. That's, he was radiating with the spirit of God. Has anybody ever seen anyone and you, you feel like, Maybe they just walked out of, the, out of the presence of the Lord just because they're just radiating. There's something about them. You can't put your finger on it and draw it and say, oh, this is what they do. But that's what happens. And see, chapter six, and this is why I wanted to kind of crawl through chapter six like we are, because Stephen was, check this out. We need somebody that is good, has a good reputation and is full of the spirit. And they pick Stephen. He's full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Something was different about Stephen. Not only that, he he was full of grace and power. He was full of power performing wonders and miracles. And then when they looked at him, his face was the face of an angel. Where am I going with this? Anybody? What what does this tell you about when the spirit of God comes down upon you? Not the filling of the spirit. When we're we're believers, we have that. We all have the spirit. 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are converted by the Spirit. You are being led by the Spirit. You are housing the Spirit, your temple of God. But what we've learned is that when God wants to use you in ministry, in service, when God wants you to, to go out and do and be for him, whatever it is, he empowers you with that. It doesn't happen to everyone. doesn't happen all the time. It, happen, it can happen, as we see, multiple times. But this guy was full of the, he was full of it. He was full of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't sound right. He was full of it. But he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had come upon him in power and he did miracles and his face shone like an angel. What does that tell us about people that are full of the Holy Spirit, that have the power of the Holy Spirit upon them? <clears throat> and this is, in this is everywhere throughout the scripture. Anyone want to take a shot at where I'm trying to go to? Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm too broad here, Gab. I don't know. I'll, all right. <clears throat> you give up? We give up. Okay. <laughs> when you are full of the Holy Spirit, people will know by looking at you, by the things you do, by your reputation by your acts of faith, you will see it. It's always visible. And it's not always the same thing. It's not always glowing like the face of an angel. It's not always doing miracles. It's not always being able to, you know, to, 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 uh, <clears throat> to uh, be able to wait tables and, and, uh, and argue, not argue, but um, uh, 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 debate with people. No. It is <clears throat> different in every to every single occasion. Go ahead up, Bess. They're not done? Um, I don't know, but just go ahead up and see Amanda. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's my boy. Doesn't, doesn't oh, stop. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's so great. Precious. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> this is the thing. I, I, I want to be, my goal is to seek the, 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 <clears throat> the power of the Holy Spirit every day. I say, Lord, please come down upon me today, especially. Me, because this is what I do every day. I love it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed that every single day I have to go to the Lord and say, today doesn't happen without your power, Lord. I'll come here and <clears throat> I'll sit in that chair sometimes for an hour with nothing. Nothing. Now, I can write. I can talk. I could spew out information. But guess what? That does nothing. It's got to be God's power upon me. It's got to be God coming down <clears throat> and enabling me to go, what does this text say, Lord? What do you want me to say to your people about this text? The power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So when you hear a message from this pulpit, don't ever say in your heart that, wow, Pat really did a good message. You say in your heart that God came down and, and spoke the word through that sinner's mouth in the power of the Holy, it was power, the power of the Holy Spirit does that. And, it, and, and he'll do that for you as well, whatever it is you're called to do. So expect it, seek it. And this is what I believe the boldness comes from with these guys. Okay, there's no backing down here. There's no trying to get out of this situation. It's joy, it's love. And that's what the spirit is. It's the spirit of love. Filling your hearts and, and being able to get through all the gook of this life and 
get that one little gem out of the, and I'm speaking from my, just practically from me. So what do you have to do this week? What do you have to do today? Ask the Lord. And you know what? It, It will show you, it will show. You don't see somebody full of the Holy Spirit sitting around doing nothing. God doesn't do that. He's like, you need to be a witness. You need to run your home. You need to deal with it. Excuse me. I had to deal with my boys yesterday. Had to sit down with them, opened up the word and talked to them throughout the word about children and how they're supposed to behave and all that stuff. And um, I asked the Lord to give me the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy, when I say give me the Holy Spirit, you know, I have the Holy Spirit. I don't want to have to keep saying that, but I don't want you to get confused. Lord, give me this power and work of ministry to be able to do it. And that's when he'll do it. So it's a visible thing that people see. It's, and, and it could be your, it could be your demeanor. You know, you know, I know I've seen it myself where people get converted and they look different to me. Their de- whole demeanor changes. Their disposition changes. My mother. Go ahead, speak into I'm it. sorry. My, no, yeah. I, I shared this testimony on, on my mom's deathbed. She was saved on her deathbed. Mm. And before she was saved, she was angry. I've never <clears> seen <throat> my mom that angry in her life. I mean, she was visibly, I, you know, she's a, she's a very... You know, she, my mom was a very calm person. When the Lord came into her, it was like, it was like a different human being. It was like a complete transformation. Yeah. It was visibly obvious that she, she had an indwelling. I mean, there was like no question about it. I'm like, what happened to this? She, it was, it was this hostile human being turned into an angelic human being. Yeah. It was, it was, and it was <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry, as soon as you said that. No, I'm so glad you shared that, Rich. Does anybody else have any, 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 we're, we're wrapping up, but if you have any comments or questions or, or uh, examples to share. There was a, a, there is a volunteer at Solutions and she was meeting with one of her clients and the client I think was atheist and they were able to speak on spiritual things. I think, she, I'm pretty sure she shared the gospel with her. Um, but so the advocate asked her, can I pray for you? Um, and she said yes. You know, they might have not even gotten to the gospel. I think because she was an atheist. Mm-hmm. God, you know. Um, but so to her surprise, the the client said yes. And so Joyce, the volunteer, prayed. Um, and in I don't remember exactly what she prayed, but she did pray, Lord, that that the client would see you, mm. would know you, would know. Uh, your love for her, but something about knowing God, right? she prayed that. And then she said amen, and when she looked up, the girl was like staring at her, like in shock. And she, are, are you okay? And the girl was like, you were glowing. Mm. When you were praying, you were glowing. And she why were you glowing? <laughs> like, it, she, right. So Joyce was like... <laughs> it's something it, yeah, that she, appears to be yeah. going on. Yeah, and, and you can know him the way I know him. I think that's all that she was able to share with her. But it was really neat to see that. Yeah, or to hear about it, I should say. Yeah. I, you know, all of us, and I'll just share this last thing. All of us from the mouth of an atheist, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was true. So I mean, she that the so what George was saying that that the, the, the girl was like like I like mouth like just shocked. She's like, you were glowing and. She, Joyce didn't know. <laughs> she was looking at herself. So it was interesting. I mean, the Lord used that moment to show this girl. That's pretty powerful testimony. Yeah. yeah. It's really neat. Yeah. yeah. And so I just want to end with this. Don't, if you don't, don't sit here and go, oh, why am I, what's going on? How come I'm not like have a testimony? When am I going to glow? Am I really safe? That's not what this is about. I guarantee you. When you step out for the Lord, he will be there. He will equip you. And what I was going to say is, is I know, I, 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 I not, it's not so much I feel like, ooh, I got the holy goosebumps. <clears throat> but here's, here's, yeah, right? What happens is, is 
like, let's say I'm street preaching, right? And, and I'm, it's some, and even pre- preaching from the pulpit sometimes, I have an out-of-body experience with myself. It's not that out-of-body experience like I'm floating around, but it's almost like I'm sitting over here, and it's not all the time. It's sometimes, and watching. And I notice that when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, regardless of what my struggles are in my life, whatever it is, like all of us, we all struggle with sin, right? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's absolutely impossible for you to see yourself in that sin or in that, let's say, you know, let's say you're, you're fighting, my wife's right there. You're fighting, you're having an argument with your wife, right? Which isn't good as, as, a, as to try to preach, but, and you would have said to her, oh man, oh, she gets on my nerves. I wish she would change, you know, da, da, da. but when you have that, when you have the power upon you, you, it's impossible to feel ill towards your towards somebody. It's impossible to think and even put your mind there because it's almost like God has just filled that space. So I want to encourage you just to seek the fill, to seek that power to come upon you. Don't seek the experiences. Don't seek the, the we're not talking about gifts. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about tongues and miracles and all that stuff. I'm talking about for God to come upon you, to empower you, to, to overcome sin, to preach the word of God, to do what he's called you to do every day. Okay, what was that? It was upstairs? Is that? Okay. It's probably uh, somebody else's kid. <laughs> so, you know, don't wait until you're perfect to ask for this. The, the Holy Spirit is given to you. It's a good gift, Luke 9 it's a good gift that the Holy, that the Father gives when you ask for it. How much more will the, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? It's not when you're perfect, then I'm going to give it to you. No, he gives it to you so you can be changed and do the work and be more holy and be and do whatever it is God's called you to do. So you got a prayer ready to go, Rich, to close us out? All right, let's do it. Heavenly Father, almighty King of kings and Lord of lords, hallowed be thy name. We praise you. We exalt you. We magnify you, Lord God, and we thank you, Father, for reaching down and rescuing us from our sinful estate. Mm. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for teaching us. Please, Heavenly Father, pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Mm. Father God, that we may serve you, that we may exalt you, that we may draw closer to you, that we may glorify you, Lord. We want to have, um, we want to be your servants, Father God. We want to bring you honor and glory in every thought and every deed. Empower us, Heavenly Father, to walk with you and to bring you that glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.